Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. WA Real follows the oldest form of learning, that of listening to the stories and the experience of those around us. Why? So we can dive into that and explore where we sit and find ourselves. Today's guest is the sleep expert, Michelle Olath. Michelle, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on, Bryn. It's nice to be here. Superb. So one of the first questions I'm asking guests at the moment is, how are they finding isolating here in Western Australia at the moment? Yeah, okay. So totally mixed feelings about it. One part of me absolutely loves how slow things have gotten. Yes. Uh, it's really lovely. And because I'm not commuting every day to work, I'm spending the mornings with my kids and the evenings with my kids, which is lovely. But then on the other side, last week I had a bit of, a, I noticed myself getting a bit of a mood dip and it was just that lack of social. Um, yes. So mixed feelings. I think it's, um, I, I've had them, I've had weeks where I've been, last week I've been up, but the week before I was very, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's just being kind to yourself and just going, okay, this is where I'm at, not trying yeah. to fix it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It. Yeah, or, or digging deep into that pocket of positive activities that you've got. So, I mean, uh, just even doing like a Zoom cast like this with yourself, it's stimulating and it's interesting. Yes. Um, so that, that's been, I've found doing something that's stimulating is, is important. Yeah, there's a reason why I'm doing two episodes a week now, not one. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you. So I thought it'd be really, really good to talk about sleep at the moment because um, there's a whole, I mean, it's important to talk about to the best of times, but particularly at the moment with fear levels, anxiety, immune system, interrelatedness and all of that. And, and you're a bit of a sleep whiz expert. But before we dive into that, how, how did you get into this? Right. So a um, bit of an unusual path. I started off doing my undergraduate degree and um, to be able to support myself doing that, I went off and did... Uh, worked for a, a man as a polysomnographer. So that's a sleep technician. So mm. I would spend my days studying and my evenings working in a sleep lab. Um, and that was how I got into sleep. You, I saw some of the most peculiar behaviours and I just found it so interesting. And then the reactions that people would have with poor sleep and how that would impact their mood. And I was like, I want to, I want to know more. And then I met an amazing woman called Romola Bucks uh, and she pulled me on board for a PhD and I started researching sleep. And so that's how I got in. Mm, mm. And, and what is it you, you do now with sleep? So, uh, gosh, one of the many projects. <laughs> so now I continue to research sleep, but I also work as a clinician. So uh, when I'm researching sleep, I'm researching different types of insomnia. I'm researching sleep apnea and I'm looking at how that impacts someone's uh, thinking skills and impacts their mood and how we might be able to as clinicians intervene to be able to either improve someone's sleep or figure out who is most at risk. Uh, And then in the clinic, I work on helping people get better sleep as a psychologist and I also work on helping people improve their mood because mood and sleep, they sort of go hand in glove. Yes. And a lot of people will not see the connection between the two, I imagine. Or, or not necessarily not see it, but downplay it. Mm. They might not understand 
um, how important sleep is. I know as a society in general, that one of the first things that we'll get rid of when we're busy or we have lots of commitments to our family, we'll get rid of sleep. Yep. Mm. And one of the things I'm finding interesting at the moment, particularly for myself, but I'm hearing it from lots of other people, is mm. just how much sleep they're doing during this isolation. Oh, like, isn't that interesting? Yes. Mm. I mean, I'm finding myself sort of like getting really yawning about 9, 9.30 and then going to bed. And then I'm up a little bit later. And, um, yeah. you know, I haven't, we'll, we'll probably get into sleep tracking devices and mm, 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 things mm. like that. But uh, I normally wear an aura ring and I've just watched my sleep stats go up and up and up. What, what getting better? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. So, because spending more time in bed and getting more sleep is not necessarily a good thing. There's this amazing study out there that shows that people who are getting more than that sort of seven to nine hours, so getting above 10 hours of sleep per night, uh, or getting less than six hours sleep per night, that's actually really bad for, or it's, it's associated with bad health outcomes. Right. Yeah, so um, more sleep's not necessarily a good thing. It's about quality more than quantity. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've noticed my heart rate variability is going up, my deep sleep's going up. But we're, this is not a one-to-one -one session. Ah! So, <laughs> so, right, we'll do that after. We'll do that after. We'll do that after is when we click stop. Um, <laughs> so, which is one of the benefits of doing the podcast. Mm. Anyway, so let's start with the big, the big, big question. Mm -hmm. Why do we sleep? Right. So lots and lots of reasons. You sleep because it's a fundamentally important thing. It's part of your biology. It's necessary and it's necessary because it clears waste from your brain. It's the only time that your body can actually... What, open. Sorry, what waste is that? Waste, waste. So when you're... Okay, so let's see. When you're... Let's imagine that you're a car. When your car is going all day, it, it uses all that fuel consumption. So for your body, that's sugars and things like that. And then what does it produce? It produces a whole bunch of, of, uh, of waste. So the car would produce carbon monoxide and it spits it out of the exhaust. But you're going to produce sort of metabolites and amyloid beta and a whole bunch of other sorts of metabolites and, and things that will accumulate in your brain. And these things will form little nets in your brain. Um, and they'll get stuck there on your neurons and slow your processes down. But during night, you have this amazing sort of perivascular system that opens up to about 60% more and the cerebrospinal fluid can then push through there and wash all of this waste out and replenish all of your sugars as well. So it, it's the only time you can do it. Wow. Mm -hmm. so There's Waste yeah, up. that's one thing. There's links between um, not getting sufficient sleep and having a higher risk of Alzheimer's and dementia later on in life. And they've just started to find little bits of research that show that people who are at a higher risk of dementia and Alzheimer's might not be flushing um, these metabolites out of their brain well enough at night time. So one of our one of their great um, role or leaders for that was. Margaret Thatcher with the whole, I can run oh. day on four, year, four hours sleep a night. Yes, yes. And, and what and happened to her? 
yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, it, do, it does. There is an association between it. One of the questions I'd love to look at at the moment is so mothers who have more, because women are at a higher risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. So mothers who have more children who would, you would think, then have more disturbed sleep, do they then have a higher risk of Alzheimer's and dementia? What's that gendered link that's there? So I think that would be interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot of other proponents of little sleep out there. I'm so productive because I get little sleep. It's actually, as far as we can research, it's actually a bit of a lie. You're actually more productive on less time and using less of your resources if you're getting more sleep. Mm. Mm. That's really interesting because even just the other day, I saw a little meme that basically said, you know, Something like that, yeah. The, the, the real winners, uh, it says something like 5 a.m., the time when real winners are either getting up or going to bed. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, sure. Go, go right ahead, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. If that's the way your body works, then go for it. There's um, an amazing man called Till Ronenberg, and he actually researches um, the way that people should sleep for their chronotype um, to be able to get better mood. So he did this lovely sort of field study where he took people and he got them to go to sleep with the sunlight um, and they could sleep in as their body wanted a bit later and then just go to work later or they could wake up early and go to work early and then finish earlier as well. Um, and they, these people, their mood just got so much better because they were able to work with their body's natural rhythms. Mm. Mm. So what else is sleep good for or not good for? Why? <laughs> right, right, right. Why do you want to sleep? So it also releases growth hormones. So when you're little, it's good for growing. But for adults, that's also good for us to be able to stay looking younger for longer and to yes. be able to get better immune function. Um, sleep's good for that's your really immune function. Right yes, yes. Very key right now. Um, if you're getting poor sleep right now, you want to be getting better sleep because you yep. want to be having good immune function at the moment. Mm. Mm. so sleep isn't just head on pillow wake up we go through different stages tell yeah. me about that yeah so we've kind of touched on this before sleep isn't just about getting lots of it it's about getting good quality sleep and so good quality sleep means that you'll be going through all sorts of different phases. You'll go from a shallow sleep where you're easy to be woken up and you'll go down into deeper stages of sleep. And it's at the moment we think those deeper stages of sleep are the most important ones. They're the ones where if you try to wake someone up, it's actually quite difficult to wake them up. And then after you have that sort of phase, which goes for about 90 to 120 minutes, this whole cycle from shallow to deep, you'll go into dreaming sleep as well which is REM sleep. But that's a bit of a misnomer. So you actually dream the whole way through all of those stages of sleep, but right. REM sleep are when they're the most cohesive kind of looking dreams. Mm. Do that about four or five times a night. And that period in the morning of about is two, three o'clock. cycle usually 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, or 90 to 120 minutes. Yeah, you'll keep right. cycling. Um, and you'll get longer and longer phases of deep sleep earlier in the morning. So the longer you're asleep, the sort of better sleep you're getting as well. And that's why you want that one consolidated phase of sleep. Hmm. Is, that, is it worth then when considering going to bed and when you're waking up to break it down into multiples of 90 to 100 minutes rather than chopping it in the middle. 
Oh, what an interesting question. Okay, I, I can't directly answer that as so to whether you like, could. I had yeah. this thing in my head that we go, it's 90 minutes through a sleep cycle. And so yeah. therefore, it's an hour and a half. So I should either be going to bed for six hours or seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. If you want, so um, you could, you could try and break it up that way, but your sleep phases will get longer as the night goes on. So you'll be getting like 120 minutes at 3 a.m., but your sleep cycle might be sort of about 90 minutes earlier okay. on. So I suppose you would have to get sort of, um, there's these wicked devices out there and I won't drop names, but there's some that you can actually get at home that track your EEG and you could theoretically try and have a look at what your cycles look like using these devices and try and plan out the optimum night's sleep. Wow, you can get a home EEG device. Yeah, yeah. so um, some companies have just brought them out um, across the world and you can find them online. Um, they're amazing. Amazing. Are they, mm. are they comfortable to wear? The, the one that I'm thinking of in my head, they've actually created it like a headband. Um, and so you just slip it on and it, it looks like, it. actually when you wear it, it looks like you've got a backwards, a hat on backwards, like a cap. Right. Yeah. 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 Superb. <laughs> um, so, so I guess, you know, I mean, how, what does a good night's sleep actually look like? And what are the sort of habits leading up to and afterwards? Do, I mean, we'll, we'll look at what mm -hmm. less than good looks like in a minute, but what does good really look like? Yeah, okay. I'm sure yeah. it's individual, but there's got to be some universal things. I mean, yeah. our bodies, yeah, all right, we might have slightly different genotypes, but our bodies are bodies and they all, you know, 98% mm. of them all work the same. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you're onto it with the individualized thing. That's, that's definitely the rule. If your sleep isn't working for you, you need to experiment with it and figure out what does work for you. Mm. But you're also right. There are some fairly universal rules that we can apply to this. So you want between about seven to nine hours sleep if you're an 18-year-old or over. Yeah. Uh, you want to be waking up at the same time every morning. And that is really crucial, waking up at the same time every morning. So if yeah. you actually wanted to figure out how, um, how to get a good night's sleep, you want to have a routine. So you want to sort of fix that 7 a.m. wake up. You want to work back about seven or eight hours, however many hours you get of sleep, and that becomes your sleep time. Yeah. So keeping that routine. You want to and make sure... That's even at the weekend, isn't it? Because yeah, sure, you know, like previously we're all rigidy ditch, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday. That's it. You're right. You're right. You want to keep it the whole way through because what your body's doing is it's releasing cortisol in the morning, essentially, and it's releasing melatonin at nighttime. Mm. And it, it wants to know the same times every time to release it. And if you put us exactly we've adapted to sleep that way so if you chuck us back in the wild as soft little monkeys you're going to be going to sleep when the lights go out and you're going to be waking up when the lights come back on in the morning yeah 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 so you want to be doing those things you want to the other thing you really want to do is avoid these kinds of devices so your phone yes. anything emitting blue yes. lights exactly um your computer screen or your tablets anything that's going to be emitting blue light you want to avoid Why is that? yeah oh so for lots of reasons so that blue light so your body 
the way that it works is your, your um, sort of major clock that tells your body what time of day it is, is sits in behind your eye and it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And you want to say that 10 times fast, you sound like Mary Poppins. So it sits in behind your eye and it resets all your other body clocks. And the, re the way that that's mostly set is by sunlight. And the sunlight is, it has a lot of blue in it. And the lights that come out of our technology devices, a lot of that is also a, a lot on the blue spectrum. And so it tricks your body into thinking that it's daylight. Right. And it will push your sleep phases, your sleep sort of rhythm, it'll push it like forwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get, you can either just not use the devices, go back to old fashioned books or yes, or you could um, actually get there's these really cool applications you can get on most devices now, or you can download them and they are blue light filters and we spoke last time and you had some really funky um, orange glasses and you can use those too. They look super cool. The, the, the Bono looking. Yeah. Glasses, but, <laughs> um, they are quite special, but they really, <laughs> they really do work. Um, mm -hmm. Just from experience, you know, I, for many years, I, I, I couldn't work. I would tell people I don't really get tired at night and mm -hmm. I just have to go to bed. I tell myself to go. And then after a while, I realized it's because I'm doing this or the TV or this. Mm -hmm. And then about a year or so, I, got, I bought, to start off with, I had some of the more like safety goggle type ones mm -hmm. for a cheap entry point. And, um, and immediately I started to feel tired at night. Yes. And now I've got some money, Marta Bono looking type ones. Um, but, you, but I do, I start to feel quite fatigued. Ooh, and, um, and it's even things like if if I had to go to the loo in the middle of the night or mm. I've got thirsty and I want to go and grab some water out of the fridge, mm. you know, they've all got lights involved mm. with them. And um, just now it's like pop them on and then I feel like I'm not woke, woke up. I've just minimally woke up, functionally yeah. done, and then gone back to sleep. Oh, I like that. I've not heard of that before. I like the idea that you might be able to put them on when you wake up during the night and that can kind of filter the lights that you're getting in when you're wandering around. Yeah, That's a really good idea. The fridge one, the fridge one, you know, you open it and, it, and it's just like... Mm. And, it, and it's almost like I feel it inside waking up and then you've got to go back to sleep. And yeah. So just pop them on and you can put the light on that you need, but it's not... So it's like I only wake up that much and then yeah. I, it's only that yeah. much to go back to sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, yeah. You sound really in tune with your body. It sounds awesome. I'm trying my best. Mm. Um, what about things, um, what about like sort of, um, I've, I've read things about room temperature, taking a shower before bed, stuff like that. How yeah. do they fit? Okay, so the kinds of things, if anyone, if we miss anything while we're talking here, the kinds of things that you're talking about right now um, is sleep hygiene. So yes. people might go and Google sleep hygiene. And basically it's the idea of, of cleaning up your sleep at nighttime. So um, you would have a room temperature that is cool, so about 19 to 20 degrees Celsius. You want to have your room that's fairly dark and for obvious reasons that we've just talked about. Uh, and you want your room to be quite quiet as well, because otherwise uh, what will happen is, is that during those um, 
those shallow stages of sleep, you'll hear little noises and that's what will wake you up. And then if you've got any stress or anything, or you've got one of those really busy minds, that's when the brain starts up. And that's really what interrupts your sleep as well. Um, you want to have a nice comfy mattress. You want to make sure the only things you're doing in bed are sleep and sex as well. Uh, because otherwise you start to associate bed with lots of fun and you want to try and keep that kind of minimal. Uh, no parties, no board games in bed. Uh, try and keep out the TV as you can as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, a warm, warm bath before bed, that does work because um, it can actually help you when you get out, your uh, body temperature drops. And that's one of the things that our bodies naturally do when we're about to go to sleep is that our core body temperature will drop. Um, the warm milk, unfortunately, doesn't work. <laughs> but <laughs> not unless you've managed to sort of pair it up. So that kind of nighttime routine, if one of the things that you always do before bed is have a cup of tea, we would normally say, look out for the caffeine. But if that's part of your routine and that's part of how you get to sleep, you've probably managed to link a warm cup of tea to sleep and your brain kind of then starts to get sleepy because, you know, mm -hmm. much like with kids where you're getting them to go to sleep, you give them quite a solid routine to get them to go to sleep. It's the yeah. same with you. You want a routine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess we um, we talk about sleep hygiene in terms of the entry into sleep. Mm. What about the exit from sleep? Yeah. Okay. So um, sleep during the night too. I'm going to like pull back from the, okay. the exits at the moment. Yeah. Sleep during the night. You can have some sleep hygiene tips during the night too. You want to make sure your phone's off. Don't check email. If you wake up during the night, you really want to engage in calming activities like mindfulness or meditation. Um, yeah. A little bit of research that says Tetris might be good to do <laughs> if you wake up during the night. As long as you've got glasses on. <laughs> yeah, as long as you've got your glasses on. Um, and if you're awake for more than say roughly 20 minutes, but you've got to kind of guesstimate that time, not to do clock checking, you probably want to get up and do something relaxing and then go back to bed. Yeah. Now, when you wake up in the morning, you want to, you're going to experience this thing called sleep inertia and sleep inertia is this normal period of time while your body is adjusting from one phase of existence to another phase of existence. And you want to just allow that kind of sleepiness to happen. Normally, it'll last about 30 minutes. Back to that oversleeping that we were talking about at the beginning of the session. Um, if you oversleep, you'll actually extend your sleep inertia out even further. Right. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Then you want to go and get some sunlight. And, yes. and there's, 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 I don't know, have you ever heard, Bryn, there was this piece of research that came out that said that you could get sunlight on the backs of your knees. And this was the ideal place to get it. Now, this is a load of poppycock. The research got turned over, but it became really quite popular for a while because it was so crazy. It's a bit like that bit of research that came out about wearing a hat. And if you wore a hat, that would keep you warm. Did you ever hear that bit of research as well? No, no go okay. on. Yeah, so there was a bit of, re and this is all research that's done on people in the army. So there's a bit of research that was done that if you wore like a full body kind of uh, wetsuit and stayed warm, it wasn't enough. Ideally, what you needed was a hat on, but it's all just been kind of like, it's all been debunked. There's all these lovely bits, like, like eating spinach is one of the best ways to get iron, also debunked as well. It was a error, a printing error from where they put the decimal point as well in the um, publication. 
There we go. Are there any other myths around sleep that we should be aware of? Myths around sleep. Oh, I don't know. That would be really interesting, actually, to write up a, a thing yeah. on the myths around sleep. I'm not sure. I'm not go. sure. But, I know. tend to look for the facts. <laughs> Tell me about um, the impact of uh, things like stress and anxiety and how that plays mm. out with sleep. Yeah, sure. So, oh, I mean, I think everyone can really relate to this. Your stress and anxiety is not good for your sleep. Uh, it'll stop you getting to sleep. It'll make you wake up more during the night and it can make you have early morning awakenings as well. It's really quite linked to insomnia. And then part of the nasty thing of that too is that then once you start having um, that anxiety starts impacting your sleep, then you start to get anxious about not getting good sleep and then that can make your sleep even more painful too. So they, they tend to sort of run hand in hand there as well. Um, so there's lots of tips that we, we tend to give people who have a lot of anxiety just before sleep as well about planning their day out more for doing their to-do lists or debriefing with friends earlier in the day so they're not doing worry and rumination just before bed. Mm. Um, and if you're, because if you're anxious and that's impacting your sleep, then the impact on your sleep will unfortunately stop you from being able to emotionally regulate properly and then that will make you more anxious, which then impacts your sleep and it just goes around a vicious cycle. Yeah, it's not just one night, one thing. It then snowballs mm, and mm. if we're becoming less aware less you know our ability to down regulate our nervous system is impacted mm. and then we just become a pain in the ass to be around yeah and, and divorce rates higher for people who have poor sleep as well um, really? yeah because you can't part of what uh, we think happens when people get poor sleep is that they can't use their executive functions, which is all of these frontal lobe kinds of activities mm. that help you uh, when you go to swear at, at something, not swear, or when you are mad at your partner, instead of yelling, these, these parts of your brain help you go, maybe I just need to calm down or maybe I need to talk about this in a cool way. Those parts sort of get really affected by a lack of sleep and so it impacts your relationships with others. Yeah, and stops you from asking bigger, better questions about life. Yeah. And so I can imagine right now with a lot of people and this residual anxiety about how's this coronavirus thing going to map out, how am I going to get it? locked up in my house mm. what's the future look like mm. we're not very certainty i can imagine you know that's playing havoc with people's nervous system in the daytime but also mm. during sleep time mm. well everything you just spoke about is a beautiful recipe for not getting a good night's sleep because it means you've got all that worry and concern for that carries off into nighttime as well. And have you ever noticed how when you are, when you wake up during the night, during periods of stress, you might get stuck on something and yeah. during the day you wouldn't get stuck on it. You'd be like, Oh, I can't do anything about it now. I'll put it aside. But at night you'll get stuck. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and not just worry about the coronavirus. I mean, we've got so many people who are because of the coronavirus, even if they're not concerned about catching that themselves, they're losing their jobs or they're stuck in their house now outside yes. of routine and with a whole bunch of other frustrated people. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it just, it's just stress on top of stress on top of stress. Yeah. Mm, a recipe for disaster. And I think um, you were pointing out to me in a, in a previous conversation that um, we're almost at a sleep epidemic, sleep deprived mm. epidemic mm. already. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we are. I mean, uh, so there's, there's lots of businesses that are starting to try and make uh, sleep a priority and, and not just sleep a priority, but things like mindfulness and health a priority that they'll even reward their staff to be able to get better sleep because we are, mm. we're having, I mean, I think it's, I think the Australian stats that came out said about 70% of Australians either aren't getting sufficient sleep aren't getting good quality sleep so that's a, a huge proportion of our population that are quite sleep deprived and if you're getting less than five hours a night for about five hours or more it's and you go driving your car it's about the equivalent of driving with your blood alcohol at 0.05 yeah so it's just that dangerous so you take that into consideration 70 percent of the population didn't have good enough sleep mm. prior Mm. coronavirus mm. that's 70% of the population that potentially got compromised immune systems yeah could be yeah yeah it links yeah. on yeah. it just becomes more cumulative in not being able to process uncertainty fear as well as you know not looking after their bodies immune systems da, 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 da. You, mm. I guess you know I, I'm 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 talking to you today, I've spoken to other people before and I'm starting to see how all this stress and anxiety and fear is coming mm. in at different angles and where it's picking us off as beings, mm. almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a very complicated and very interesting picture that we're having a look at. Lots of – and we just don't know what's going to be the outcomes. At the moment, there's lots of research going on behind the scenes to try and send out surveys to people and ask them how COVID has impacted their sleep or their health or their job or their mood or um, their risk of self-harm as well. So lots of research that's going on behind the scenes at the moment so that then we can be better prepared should this happen again yeah yeah and it's interesting as well when you consider that we've had it was only when i first started talking to you this idea of a sleep epidemic because it seems here in wa a lot of people take their health seriously so everyone's hitting the gyms and, and and trying to be active and so on that and slowly people are starting to pay attention to their food but do you then link that with sleep? Uh, yet, was it? Is it like food, sleep, mental well-being, and then exercise in that order, or something? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? Sort of like your hierarchy of needs. Mm. Well, there was in the '60s before ethics was really important. They did a whole bunch of nasty bits of research, um, and they took. We used to get to the point a lot quicker in research. Yeah, <laughs> they took... did a psychology degree. I love that Milgram experiment where they were zapping people and putting people in prisons. We learned a lot. Oh, we did. We <laughs> did. Oh, it's terrible. And because that research it enabled us to get to the point a lot quicker, that we still refer to it a lot. But yes, I am glad that we look after our research participants a lot more than we used to um they did a whole bunch of research on 
people. They were able to make them sleep deprived. Um, they, after about three days, you start hallucinating. Um, the longest you can survive without sleep is two weeks. Um, you start getting ulcerations all over your body. Um, organs start shutting down, that kind of thing. So two weeks. I'm pretty sure you can actually go for 21 days without food. Um, so I yeah. think it's oxygen, water, oxygen, water sleep, sleep, food, food. Yeah. Yeah. But that's oh, definitely wait. not the priority. That's not the way we prioritize. No, it's not. It's not. It's very much asked about pay. Um, while we're looking at uh, things that impact sleep, tell me, tell me about alcohol. Yeah. Okay. So, like, oh, just have a little cheeky one time we go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and, and it will. It'll help you go to sleep, no doubt. But what's going to happen is it's, it's going to keep you in a shallow stage of sleep. And so you won't get down to those lovely deep stages that we were talking about that are really important. Um, and also as well, if you have more than the Australian standard guidelines, so you're having about more than four drinks on any one occasion, then that is enough to make you wake up because you need to go to the toilet as well. And then you've got all of the light exposure too. Oh, indeed. Mm. Mm. is it the alcohol itself or is it the sugar in there or is it a mixture uh it's the alcohol itself um and probably the sugars as well they probably spark you up a bit but it's definitely the alcohol it messes with your ability to sort of entrain your brain down into those deeper sleep states mm. yeah mm. what a life if, if you could shake people and say these are the re really the top five things you really really need to do and take seriously about your sleep what would they be what would they be what would i say okay don't stress about it for however much i've been talking about how important it is the number one thing would be having some awakenings during your night is normal having an off night once or twice during the week is normal your sleep uh, the amount of time that you get to sleep shrinks as you get older. It's normal. Um, being mean to yourself and not getting enough sleep or messing it up on the weekends is normal. So I would say just, just relax first off. Yeah. yeah. Um, second, I would say at least one to two hours before you get ready for bed at night. I really would love if you'd put your devices down or if you'd put a red light or a blue light filter on them or wear Bryn's amazing glasses. <laughs> Maybe not Bryn specifically because he yeah, should keep yeah. those for himself. But um, <laughs> I would say if you're going to drink alcohol or have a heavy meal, try to plan that for earlier in the evening. Um, if you are really worried or stressed or concerned at the moment, try and again plan for something earlier in the evening to debrief with someone, write in your journal, write a to-do list, those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm. yeah, Yeah. So I guess those would be the things I would say. Superb. What are some of the, because um, you must be across a lot of research, mm. what are some of the sort of fascinating things that are coming out to sleep research? Because, well, I'll let you answer that first. No, no. It's a, so I love research. So the clinical work has been amazing because it helps me shape what I'm looking at in the research. and makes my research a lot more applied. But I've mm. got to admit for a love for just research, for research's sake. So... One of the things that I'm researching at the moment is different types of insomnia. And there's a type of insomnia where you have short sleep duration, so you get under your required amount. Um, and then there's a type of insomnia called normal sleep duration insomnia. 
in this, the person will report to you that they haven't slept. They'll say, I did not get any sleep. And, but however, when we look at their EEG, they've had just as much sleep and of just a good quality as someone who doesn't have insomnia. Wow. So there's this area in the brain that we think might be implicated in this paradoxical experience of being awake when you're asleep called the default mode network. And this is an area of your brain that should turn online when you go to sleep, but for some people doesn't turn online. And so you're still able to be conscious while your brain is asleep. So that's fascinating because what you've now done is separated consciousness from being in the brain. Yeah. So yeah, we just, well, look, we don't know enough about consciousness. No one has, I'm sure that someone will get a Nobel prize for understanding what consciousness actually is. We don't actually fully understand the networks in the brain or the components that make consciousness yet. Um, there's some crazy theories out there um, that delve into all sorts of things. Um, but yet we don't know. Hmm. Because there's all sorts of theories that, you know, during our sleep, you know, our body cleans itself up in just the way you've talked about. Mm. We are point of consciousness go somewhere else. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's lots of different explanations. I'm trying to think of the, the book uh, that I've been reading lately because I'm, I'm oh, I can't, well, physics. It's, it's in physics, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, biological... I'll try and come up with it later, but it's, it, it delves into this really bizarre version of consciousness where it's an extension. It happens between the molecules and happens between the atoms as well. Um, but yes, it's, I don't know. Interesting. We don't even know where your memories are laid down yet. We know that it's somewhere in your brain and somewhere in your body, but we're not entirely sure about that yet either. That too, I found fascinating because you, you, you can't actually pin down someone, you can't find a memory in the brain. No, no, you can't. Um, so we have all these kinds of, we, we call them as a psychologist, we call them a latent construct. So it's basically, it's a theorized thing that happens that we <laughs> cannot directly measure, but we know it does happen because people have experience of it. Um, yes. I think this is part of what I find so fascinating about psychology is we just don't understand so much yet fascinating though there was a guy and i haven't looked too much into this research so i'm not entirely sure whether it's kosher or not but there was a guy who could take blood pressure and images in someone's brain while they were dreaming and get an impression of the images that they were dreaming about so i don't know whether that's just nonsense or not let me do that one again so there was, a, there was a bit of research done while people were dreaming about the blood pressure that they had and the types of active neurons that they had in their brain. And he could draw images out of these images of what the person was dreaming about. So I haven't followed that line of research much, but there's so much interesting stuff going on. Hmm. 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 I mean, yeah, the idea that, even through sleep research, you can separate consciousness from the brain. The fact that you know, we can't quite pin down where memories are. Mm. Um, I was watching some work from a guy called Dr. Rupert Sheldrake not so long ago, right, who's right. a biologist from Cambridge University. So this mm. isn't someone from the Wu channel or something. Mm. 
Yeah. He was putting forward, forward this idea of morphic resonance, the morphic field, and the fact that your brain is really like a, a sophisticated radio transmitter. And right. Oh. And so you bring your memories in, that, you know, and there's lots of different ways we can look at it. That sounds very similar to the, the physics theory that I was reading about. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the term for you, but, yeah, it sounds very similar to that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, and and then that's oh, it just goes on and on and on. So it's mm. fascinating. Um, going, back in, going back to you, what are you learning about yourself in this current corona environment? Gosh, in this current corona, uh, that I need people more than I thought I need people. <laughs> I I am a self-proclaimed introvert, but I um I I need a lot more people time than I thought I needed. Um, I do miss my people. What is it you're missing? Mm, it's the challenge. People are people are challenging. Um, whether it's just a, a social interaction to make sure they get their needs met and I get my needs met and we have a stimulating conversation, even that is challenging. Um, but also people, particularly when they're sitting at home and they're bored, they have a lot of brilliant, innovative ideas. And I want to hear those ideas. Uh, people are fascinating. And hence why you're here doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing changes in, in, in the way people are doing life you would like to see stick afterwards? So I actually hope that we maintain some of this stay-at-homeness. So I would hope that, that the workforce becomes a lot more flexible and perhaps you only go into the office two of five days and the other three days you work from home. And the reason that I hope for that is because I think people do spend more time with their families. I think they're not as stressed and rushed. Um, and I think we're putting less... Um, pressure on the environment we're using up less resources we're mm. creating less pollution uh, i think that's just we've got so many benefits there uh, and also i like the slowness so you go to the shops and you get your groceries and people are gentler and kinder and slower in general that's been my experience anyway they're more polite uh, i think that i think in general people are less stressed because they're less rushed yes and if social distancing has done nothing, it's made us more spatially aware and polite of one another. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would like to hear that from you as well, Bryn. What would Sorry? you? I would like to hear that answer from you too. What would you like to see that we keep? Um, I think yeah. There's. I've really enjoyed the slower pace of life. Mm. I've really enjoyed for a long time. Um, I have felt it. I've said that it. I said it's incumbent upon us to be almost introspective or inside curious for at least 10 to 20 minutes a day mm. because if we can't understand the first part of emotional intelligence is if you don't even get curious about your own self-awareness then your emotional impact intelligence is going to be impacted and mm. therefore you will end up carrying the wounds of childhood and stuff mm bleed all over your friends for the rest of mm. it. That's a bit dramatic, right? But um, I'm seeing a lot more people becoming a lot more introspective, coming back into themselves. Um, 
being with the people around them that they've been transiently with, even if it is their family and their kids, just like you said. Mm. So I'd like to see that more, more introspective and curious. And, 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 and I'm starting to see deeper, deeper consideration. I, for a long time, have um, had great concern about mm. the general concentration span of the general public. Mm. And, you know, I do a long, do a long form, nuance-based conversation podcast. Mm. And at the start, a lot of people said, oh, you've got to trim it down from an hour and a half down to 20 minutes. No one's going to listen to it. I was gonna, and I was like, all the time, I was, just, I was going to ignore that for a while. And I just kept going and going and going. And now I understand why. Because yeah. conversations need to be nuance-based. They need to be. And so, you know, okay, so I get a lot less listeners to this. But the listeners that I do have, or people who do engage, they actually do concentrate and there's something about when you do concentrate on one thing for a while, your brain waves start to, to do something, whether they synchronize or slow or we drop out of beta and into alpha. Mm. We talk about that with sleep states, but mm. similar sort of thing. So you're getting that more relaxed state of mind and um, you, you, you do a lot more deeper consideration. And that is when you're talking to your subconscious and your patterns instead of being stuck in this, fear-based washing around short concentration span it's either this or this reductionless thing so i'm seeing a lot more slowing down and then the follow-on benefits and i could i could go on for ages even further about it but um there's a lot more consideration of priorities and things like that yeah and i want to see that can carry on because part of why i think We've got ourselves collectively in such a mess. Mm. We have not thought things through. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We don't. And, and it's operating at such a fast pace that on top of that mess, in order to try and help the mess, we just add a bit more mess on top. Yeah, we do. We yeah. do. It's, yeah. it's that, it's that age-old trap. Well, not age-old trap, because I think it's only been in the industrial age. Industrial age-old trap of yeah. the answer to a problem is to work harder. Well, yeah. what does that yeah. technically mean? You do the same thing, but you just amplify it. And that's the thing yeah. that's getting delivering the problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. if people are taking more time to be with their family, if they're taking more time to go for a walk on the beach, not exercise, but walk on the beach with the mm. family, go for a mm. bike ride with the family, mm. sleep more, which is mm. why I thought it was so important to talk to you. If you're prioritising their sleep, you know, even another hour, or something mm -hmm. like that, or just thinking, oh, and and if they're looking at the sources of anxiety, mm. and you know some of the most clearest ones at the moment are the media, mm. you know. Yeah. If you if you disagree with me on that, then consider this: the other day, you know, I watched a little clip before we go into the news on the TV, and and you know mm. they give you the top three or four things that they're going to be talking about. Mm. And number three was the dangers of overusing hand sanitizer. And I'm like, oh, fucking real. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dangers. And it's like and fear based agenda every single moment. 
And it's just like, I think if we can be more sensitive to that. So, you know, you got me on my little soapbox there by asking me a question. <laughs> do a whole other podcast on it. That's great. Uh, no, I think that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, back to you. What are some of the things you're doing to stay grounded and keeping it real? Right. Uh, play. Lots of play. Yesterday oh. I jumped on the trampoline for 20 minutes. My thighs hurt. Great. <laughs> Um, going bike riding we have a new puppy so we're training her lots of things so lots of really small simple things there we go I learned from another guest that um, get on your kids trampoline for three to five minutes every morning not long after you've woken up just moves your spinal fluid and everything around oh right oh well I smashed that three to five minutes out (laughs) yeah 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 it's very consistent yeah. Oh, it is it is look look take i'll take that it is it's it's doing things by routine indeed <laughs> the last question i ask all my guests at the moment is if you could take one little nugget and load it up into the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it what would that be it, oh look it's been a long time coming for me and it's don't be so afraid or if you're not getting told no at least once a day, then you're probably not trying hard enough. It, being mm. told no is not a bad thing. It just means it's a measure that you're pushing in the right directions. I've had to learn that when I get told that an idea I have is, is, is a no and you can't do that, it just means that I need to try again or reshape it or reform it or try a different avenue. And I've had to really learn that it's not about me. It's um, about just pushing that forward, definitely. Yeah, and I imagine that's really important with research. Mm, mm, yeah, but even even in your daily life. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I ask people who are feeling socially anxious to do is to start asking for discounts on things like chewy gums. Um, and, and you'd be surprised at how many people actually get discounts on, on chewy gums. So, um, yeah, no, always. And then it, it starts to teach you that most people are there to support you and to help you and they're not as scary as you think they are. Yes. Mm. And probably most of the no's that you're getting in your life are, are up here before you've even engaged that. Totally. Totally. I got a good friend uh, last year who wanted to go and buy a purchase that was yeah. just for him. And, and he was hesitant. I went, why? Well, he goes, well, you know, my wife will probably say no. I said, well, has she actually said no? Yeah. Yeah, then, uh, exactly. We talked about it, moved it along, and then next year, she said yes. <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Don't, don't let this stop you. This thing is a threat detector, and it detects threats that aren't even there. Indeed, mm. indeed. Michelle, it's been awesome talking to you today. If people mm. want to find you, where can they come and find you? So they can just Google me. So if they Google my name, Michelle O'Leith, they will find me. Um, but also we have a new website that we've started up as well called Mytherio. So they can also find me on there as well. Um, but the best way to find me is just to Google me. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's been mm-hmm. super valuable at this point in time. Okay. Thank you. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Superb.